It's like the night before Christmas for me, at least, because uh, Jingle Bells, Joe Ingles, is going to make his season debut and his Milwaukee Bucks debut against the New Orleans Pelicans. And Milwaukee also first in the East. We're going to discuss whether that is actually a believable thing that has happened tonight because the Bucks potentially haven't been playing their best basketball. And also Marjon Bochamp. He played really well yesterday against Utah. I'm going to ask Justin and the listeners, is it possible that he can take someone's minutes the longer this season goes? Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN and alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, fresh off a Nullah Milwaukee Bucks win over the Utah Jazz. Condolences to our uh, fearless boss and leader, David Locke. It's Justin Garcia, and uh, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. And there's a little bit of excitement around uh, with Bucks fans today. I see on Twitter, Bucks back in first, and also Joe Ingles is coming back, and they're winning games, but a big road trip to come up here so join us on locked on bucks for all the post game shows and everything in between we appreciate it particularly on youtube uh, where we have people jumping in on the live stream right now today's episode is brought to you by prize picks first time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks with the promo code locked on that's prizepicks.com promo code locked on uh justin so as we dive into this we'll start with joe ingles because this is the big news and i joke about it and clearly i ramp up my Aussie bias a little bit. But it look, this was the one significant salary slot the Bucks had in the offseason. They spent it on this man. They believe he can be a player for this team. It's clearly going to take some time. But from being in and around the team, uh, what have you sort of noticed about Joe or, or what the, the teammates think of him or anything uh, regarding this return? Because I, I do think it's fair to say it's a little bit earlier than perhaps we anticipated. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I didn't think – you know, we started to hear more and more of uh, Christmas Day and December. I never thought we would see him before like February-ish, late January. I was always kind of like, well, they're, they're going to be super cautious, as they always are, as you mentioned. And, I mean, I would assume for at least the initial going here, he's not going to play a night two of a back-to-back. They're probably going to work in rest days for him as well. But it is kind of surprising to see him back um, – even before Christmas day that everybody was pointing to that. So it is a little bit early. And I think what stands out the most, and I think Bud was actually asked uh, this uh, part of this question before the game on um, Saturday. And that was just, you know, how, how have you noticed that Joe has, has really fit in with his team and acclimated himself and, and Bud and a few other players talked about it. I think in the piece that our buddy Eric was working on too, of, yeah, it's it's been interesting because it, it can take some time for guys to kind of fit in and just develop that chemistry off the court with their teammates, and especially when you're not playing. And he just started going through those five-on-fives and scrimmages. So Bud mentioned, you know, usually we see that take a little bit more time for guys to 
really get to know you and open up to you, that it just takes playing together. And that hasn't been the case with Joe, that he's been very talkative. Brooke Lopez <laughs> sharing stories, too, about when he knew that Joe Ingles never shuts up and uh, you know, dating back years ago. So I think it's just his communication is what is kind of fit him in with this group, that you know he's the new guy and it's like he's everybody's pal already. Yeah, Ethan jumps in the stream and says, are Joe and Chris best friends? So, look, we don't know what he's going to do on the court, but what we have seen is Joe Ingles, as the story from Eric Name points out, and as anyone who's followed Joe for a long time knows, never stops talking. In timeouts, he's always talking to the refs or he's making jokes with his teammates. And him and Chris obviously spend a lot of time on the sideline and they do look like uh, they are very, very close. But as far as the on-court stuff, I, I think... It matters, and I did a little YouTube short on the weekend when you know, Woj announced that he was coming back, and I, I think it matters from a timing perspective as well because it, it's just going to be cool to see him play like it is any player that has an ACL and has an extended period for Joe. It's around nine or close to 10 months, but he's going to need some serious time. And I think the one of the arguments I've made about this Bucks team and making trades has been that they haven't seen any of their guys together on the floor. So it's it's kind of really hard to even look at anything and say, this is what they're missing until you see all the pieces together. So at least having two months here, and again, it's there's going to be significant rust. I imagine it's going to need all of that two months and perhaps more for Joe to get back to what we think he can be for this team. But I, I think from a time perspective, it's handy that this return has come now. Yeah, and um, you know, like we said too, you're they're going to take their time with him. I know we say that after he's back 10 months after the ACL surgery, but uh, I'm going to be really curious to see how many games he actually plays in on this road mm. trip. Like he's back on Monday, but I, I don't know about you. I would assume he's maybe not playing Wednesday and it's going to be kind of like an every other and they'll, they'll be cautious with him. Uh, but I'm, I'm really curious to see the defensive side because um, I think he's a smart defender he has all that old man game as well. He can hold up in the post. Uh, I'm curious to see how you can utilize him because Bud is alluded to as well. Some of the lineups we can throw out there, and, and we keep talking about this team needs a big wing. Well, Joe Ingles is a big wing, but coming off an ACL surgery and at his age, you wonder where he's going to be at defensively. So that's what I'm really paying attention to because I think we all assume he's going to juice the offense in those units that he's on, especially when he's playing with Giannis and the two-man game there. And this half-court offense, it's it's kind of gone through peaks and valleys this year. Early in the year, it was horrendous. Not that it's been great uh, since everybody's been healthy, but you knew probably going to be bad until you're you're really healthy. I'm curious to see how much Joe Ingles changes that, not necessarily this week, but once you get to January and February and, and he's had more time, how does the half-court offense look then? Yeah, it will be interesting because I think – people that follow the Utah Jazz closely. And we had Andy Larson on this podcast going back a long time ago, discussing where he was at last season. He covers uh, the Utah Jazz. And there was definitely some talk that, look, Joe Ingles looks like he's slowed down. He looks like perhaps he's in decline, which was what you kind of heard from last season. Now, I always pointed to the fact that, that he wasn't the only player that went from a deep playoff run straight to the Olympics and played over 30 minutes a game with Australia straight back into the NBA season, and he is 34. So, yeah, there, you are going to expect that there's going to be some decline. But I, I had hoped 
that when you looked at the perimeter defense of the Utah Jazz, they didn't have a perimeter defense. And I think that because he is such a high IQ player, maybe, maybe he's he's you know very much a, an average or above average defender on this team, and they can utilize him in ways that will maximize him. But yeah, we'll have to see uh, how that plays out. But in terms of the offensive stuff, even if you just look at his numbers last year from scoring and in the different levels, he was still seventy two percent at the rim, fifty four percent from mid range, and then he was thirty five percent from three, and that thirty five percent is significantly down from where he's been in the rest of his career, but he was still an efficient scorer. He's not going to be asked to get 15, 20 points a night on this team, but the facilitation numbers are excellent. He's in the highest percentile for assist percentage, assist to usage as well. He, he generally just makes things happen, and I think he get likes to get guys uh, involved. And And I think if he had so much success with someone like Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors in the pick and roll, it's hard for me to believe that he won't be successful with Giannis. Yeah, that uh, that four year stretch where Utah was was really humming. Um, Joe Ingles was was a big part of it. I mean, we we pay attention or, or give most of the attention to Donovan Mitchell and uh, and Rudy Gobert, but Joe Ingles was a big a piece of that as any. You mentioned the assist numbers and what he did those minutes on the floor. I mean, he was in the ninety sixth percentile or better four years in a row, and that's when that offense was was really elite for the Utah Jazz. So you know, not only him helping out the offense. We've seen a stretch where there's been much more ball movement. Uh, and I think it obviously coincides with the team being closer to healthy, but um, you, know, you can never have enough shooting. And as we've seen, you build this roster full of, you think capable shooters and, and yeah. it seem to go through these patches throughout the season and the postseason. So I'm curious to see that aspect of Joe uh, as well and where the shooting is at. Yeah. And he's obviously played in big playoff games as well, even though the jazz ultimately didn't, get through to an NBA finals, but uh, certainly no uh, lack of playoff experience there as well. But we'll see. He is an older player. Uh, but like I mentioned, I think the timing of the return is nice, even though I think we're going to have to be pretty patient in this game with New Orleans, Chris Milton out with knee soreness. But it looks outside of that, that most of the players are good to go. Now, Chris has been, as Bud alluded to the other day, a few just little niggly things. He's coming back from a long-term injury as well. There's going to be caution there. So, again, all these guys are going to take a little bit of time. But this New Orleans game is going to be fun, even if Chris Middleton isn't out there. And, yeah, I don't know what the minutes restriction is for Joe, but he might only play you know, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. But either way, it'll be fun to see him out on the floor. And uh, tell you what else is fun, uh, Justin. The Bucks being first in the East. And we're going to talk about that next after I talk about price picks. And if you don't know what price picks is all about, it's pretty simple stuff. You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their price picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Uh, there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Uh, not just basketball, though. You can have NFL. And by the way, scrolling through the old Twitter feed, I don't know what the New England Patriots are doing to finish the game, Justin, but that is some of the most bizarre stuff I've ever seen. But there's also baseball whenever that comes back. Hockey, Justin, you know, you're the hockey, the resident hockey expert uh, on this podcast, but golf and college sports as well. Price Picks has got it all. You can make your entries in 60 seconds or less, uh, and it's certainly safe and available in over 30 states and Canada as well. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. And if you deposit 100 bucks, Price Picks will give you 100. 
If you deposit 50, you'll get 50 back. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. That's Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, also, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got all your news from uh, around the sporting world. Argentina win the World Cup. Uh, there's NFL stuff on. I think the Packers are playing. They're playing Monday night, are they? Or... They are. All right. Well, Peter Bukowski hosts that show, so I'm sure he'll have something to say about the Packers. So check out Locked On Sports Today. And now we're going to talk about the team with the best record in the entire NBA, as uh, Sal Cully says, Justin Garcia is in the house. That is an absolute fact. Uh, how bizarre is it to you that the Bucks have the number one record in the NBA, which I, I believe that's a fact. Uh, it is. I know. Yeah. So they've obviously taken over Boston. Boston have lost four or five. And interestingly enough, the only game they won was that crazy game against the Lakers that they absolutely should not have won. So they're clearly in a bit of a rut. But Chris Milton's missed 22 games. Conanon's missed 16. Holiday's missed seven. Giannis has missed five. And as we've discussed, Joe Ingles has missed all 29. They're ranked 17th in offense. They're ranked 18th in half-court offense. They're ranked 25th in transition. So the offense has been struggling all season long. And part of that is guys in an early lineup and just key players to the offense out. But they have the best record in the NBA. Again, I ask you, does this make any sense? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think so. They, they have the best record in the NBA because of their defense, obviously, and they're uh, what I think they're they're second in defensive rating now that they've slipped a little bit and that's what's been kind of interesting is um, it's almost like human nature of for the early going for the the first uh, what 20-ish games where they were playing without Pat and Chris uh, you knew we got to win with defense and they put everything into that that defense you know, the first month of the season was just absolutely elite. And I think as guys have started to come back and and you've gotten healthier, there's probably a tendency that's human nature, like I said, to just kind of ease up a little bit of, okay, now we have the help offensively. We don't have to be as concerned of let's be dominant here. And we've seen the defense take a little bit of a step back. So um, I know Bud has talked about it a little bit, that there's some things they need to clean up there. So I'm just curious to see where they land. Um, in terms of is it is it surprising uh, when you go through the injury history and the players that have missed games and the amount of games missed? The most surprising thing to me is that the Bucks, I think, last I checked at least, are still second to the Magic in games missed to injury. So hmm. that's the most surprising part because I mean, you know, we talked about Chris and Pat missing the entire season up until uh, a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, Giannis was out a couple of times. Drew missed about five or so games. Brooke and Bobby are, are seemingly the Ironmen on this team. That it just doesn't uh, seem like the Bucks are the most injured team or one of the most injured teams, despite us constantly mentioning, look at this injury report. I think just because it hasn't been Giannis and Chris on the injury report extensively and, and the big names, it's, it's not to slight Pat Connaughton, but it's been a lot of guys making up that bench mob and then Chris Middleton that have missed time. So them being the second most injured team is what's surprising to me. But I think overall winning with their defense and it just speaks to the Eastern conference as a whole. And I, the NBA as a whole, I guess we should say that we thought coming into the season, the bucks and the Celtics 
we're the two best teams. And the first, uh, what, we're two months into the season, it's done nothing to change that. And I think when you you point to everything you mentioned in the lead up there, that just drives the point home even more, that the Bucks have dealt with injuries. Celtics have lost four of five. Uh, the Bucks looked lost at times very early in the season. And yet here are these two teams still a couple of games up on everybody else in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's right. And I think we've seen a couple of performances in the last week. And first of all, the Memphis Grizzlies are an awesome basketball team. So I, I don't want to say that was just the Bucks having an off night because clearly the Grizzlies, you know, played fantastic. But we have seen that if night in, night out, you're relying on that suffocating defense that we saw, particularly through the first two weeks when the Bucks went, I, I believe it was 9-0, and it's not going to be sustainable through the entire regular season. Now, we've seen For the Bucks two games. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And we've seen the Bucks absolutely turn up the defense in the postseason. They were, uh, they certainly did so against Boston last year. Yep, we you know the three point stuff, but defensive rating of 97 overall, even though they were outmatched um, offensively. But to do it night in, night out, it's going to take a toll in the regular season. So we saw games like the Houston one. And then again, as I mentioned, uh, Memphis. So that's why it will be. Pretty damn important for these shooters. Some of the guys that have struggled, Bobby Portis, obviously Pat's only played a few games back. Hopefully he can shoot the ball well. And then, as we've mentioned, Joe Ingles, these guys, they do need some relief on the offensive end uh, in the long term for this regular season. And now they've got this road trip. And starting with tomorrow, this Pelicans team is also awesome. And we have seen that the Bucs at times, those two teams, again, mentioned them, Houston and Memphis, these super athletic teams have caused the Bucks a little bit of trouble. What do you think or what are you expecting um, tomorrow from the Pelicans? Because I'm really excited for this game, but I was also really excited for the Memphis game. <laughs> so uh, I was not excited for the Memphis game because oh, no. for whatever reason, uh, the Grizzlies just seem to have the Bucks number. And I think part of it is what you talked about with sustainability in the regular season. It's a young team. It's a team mm. that gets up and down the floor not having Drew Holiday was huge in that game as well. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this during the Warriors game um, off the air and on the air on, on the broadcast, but I thought Golden State being without Andrew Wiggins was a bigger loss than the Bucks being without Drew Holiday. And, and not to say yeah. it's a slight on Drew, it's, it's just he's become the defensive MVP and the Swiss Army knife for that team that Draymond Green used to be. So to not have him there and throw him on Giannis and Chris, Drew didn't play, but you could throw him on him and his offensive ability as well as, as Jordan Poole continues to struggle. So that was a really big miss. And for the Bucs, I mean, ultimately it just came down to, you know, they have nobody to slow down Giannis and stop him. And you can point to, well, Drew on the, the perimeter and, and getting that defense on Steph Curry, sure. But Javon Carter is probably better, not that he's great on Steph, but he's he's the type that you want to chase him around screens and just constantly be with him. So I thought that was a huge miss for the Warriors, and the absence of Drew was much bigger against the Grizzlies because of their ability to penetrate, score around the basket, and you really just need Drew Holiday to be there to help cut that off and be the head of the snake. So when he was gone, you saw they were not afraid of Brooke Lopez. They were able to get into the lane with ease and finish around the basket. And, you know, also talked about this team being younger and they get up and down the floor and play at a high pace. The Bucks don't really do that. Not that they played the slowest pace in the league, but that's not their style, especially in the regular season. And this Grizzlies team has just had their number for the last couple of years. I mean, think back to last year, 
They won in that building by, I think, 25. And it's just a mixture of three-point shooters and athletic guys that get up and down the floor that you don't really want to see in the regular season. You can game plan for that in the playoffs. So I wasn't super uh, anxious for that game against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. And as you mentioned with New Orleans, there's some similarities there. And um, it's a team that has a lot more assets defensively. And that's really what I'm interested in seeing. I think, you know, the first time we saw Zion, everybody pointed to Giannis versus Zion. And I remember that first game, the championship year, where Zion had a couple of moves on Giannis, uh, where everybody thought, man, is this going to be the next Giannis? But to me, it's it's really the defensive matchups because you know, we've talked about how good the Bucks' defense has been. But New Orleans, I mean, they're right up there as well. I think they're in the top yeah. five or close to it in all categories, offensive, defensive, and net rating. Um, and you think about guys that they have that they can throw out there and just make things difficult on the Bucks and their wings. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't think, and now that I say it, it, it is going to be, I don't think it's going to be a super high scoring game. I think it's going to be not a slog, but I think it's going to be more of a defensive game. Well, we've got the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Zion is going to try and dunk on Brook Lopez at some point in this game and Splash Mountain is going to have to stand there take it and swat it. And by the way, this win over Utah, which we haven't discussed a lot, uh, I don't think there was anything hugely exciting from this game, but we are going to talk about Marjon Bochamp in just a second. I know everyone likes talking about Marjon, and he did have a good game. But Brook Lopez had three blocks in the first three minutes of this game. He was on pace for 48 blocks and then wasn't able to pick up another well, one. Then, and then Utah just started looking over their shoulder and just stopped <laughs> challenging him. There's a few plays where you could see I'm not even trying this. And they were looking for the outlet. Yeah. No, I mean, Brooke has just been outstanding. But this is going to be a big challenge. And then down the other end, uh, Marcus Johnson's favorite, Choo Choo Valentunas, uh, is, I assume, going to be on the floor. um, Because I I think Zion has improved defensively. uh, But I'm not sure he's ready to defend Giannis. So we'll see. But yeah, it's going to be fun. No Brandon Ingram for the Pelicans, which is obviously a blow. He's been out with this uh, great toe injury. It's not a great toe injury for the Pelicans, but that's what it's listed on the injury report. That just means big toe, doesn't it? Yeah, as far as I know. Just call it big toe, guys. There's nothing great about any any toe. Let's be honest uh, about that. But let's talk about Marjan Bochamp. Everyone's excited. I want to ask you, Justin. I kind of told you I was going to ask you this, but you've got one ad read to think about it. Can Marjan Bochamp break into this rotation? And if he's going to break into this rotation, whose minutes... Is he taking? That's after we talk about ExpressVPN. Our uh, friends here at the podcast, ExpressVPN <laughs> protects your privacy and security online. Uh, everyone knows that. But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've ran out of stuff to watch on Netflix. This will change your world. And it will change your world because here in Australia, I don't know if it's happening everywhere, but Netflix has just take, taken a, a bunch of shows off. Like the office is about to be gone on Netflix, which is something that oh, I mean, it's I've been seen the office. On, it's been off Netflix for years for us in America. Okay, well, don't go into US Netflix if you want to watch the office, but there are plenty of other countries that you can go to, and ExpressVPN is perfect for that. You just sign into Netflix, fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to wherever it needs to be. UK, who knows? Refresh Netflix, Netflix, and uh, that's it. You're good to go. But uh, Hulu, uh, BBC, all these other things that you might want to use are there on ExpressVPN. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra uh, three months of ExpressVPN for free. 
That's expressvpn.com slash locked on, expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Marshawn Bochamp was excellent in this game against uh, Utah, Justin. He was knocking down the threes. He's not shy. We love that uh, about him. But he also had a, a nice finish putting the ball on the floor, getting to the basket. Overall, he played 19 minutes, five for nine from the field. Added, did he add three assists? Am I reading this box score? No. A couple of assists, a couple of rebounds there as well. But 18 points overall for him. Clearly, he's his most impressive outing for a while. He got a bit of burn towards the end of the Memphis game. Before that, we know he was sick for a few weeks, and that's why he was out of the lineup. No uh, Chris in this game. No Giannis in this game. Ingles, who we've spoken about. There is just a lot of guys in this rotation. Is there any way that Marjan Bochamp is going to force one of these vets to lose some minutes so he can break his way in? Because I've said it before, there is no doubt that it is exciting to watch Marjan, Marjan Bochamp because we just haven't had a rookie to really get behind for a long time. And it's just, it's fresh, it's exciting. And he actually looks like an NBA player. He does. And um, I think it's worth pointing out. And I actually I see a, a comment saying the same as well. Uh, Mamu looked really good yesterday uh, too, as Mamu was just around the ball. He has a nose for the ball. And I've talked about a lot how Bud and the staff continues from day one, I should say, to, to mention if you want to earn playing time and keep it, you got to make winning plays without scoring the basketball. That's what Mamu did yesterday. He almost had a double-double without the points being in double figures. Um, so he's he's looked better and better the more minutes he's gotten as well. But Marjan, I was uh, really impressed with yesterday and, and just continue to be impressed with him overall this season. You mentioned uh, he did, I think, had two assists. I like how he steps into threes and he's confident with them. Yeah. He doesn't hesitate. The finish that you mentioned was on Walker Kessler where – it was a nice move that he fig- he attacked the blocking hand and figured out how to shield his body and still get it up over him. Um, and obviously the defensive plays that he makes and, and just the overall IQ that I, I think is there, especially early in the season, we were comparing him with Jordan Wara. They're two very different players defensively, uh, obviously. But so to answer your question and not to be the wet blanket here, no, I don't think uh, we will see Marjan Bochamp as a significant piece in this rotation this season um not that that's the outcome that i want i agree with everybody else and and i would certainly be in favor and a little surprised frankly that this hasn't been the plan to give him more consistent minutes and be more diligent with working in rest for guys like wes and george hill and you know whoever pat Connaughton occasionally and, and just your veteran guys give them some rest throughout the season joe ingles is going to be in that mix and give Marjan Bochamp those opportunities. Obviously, here in the G League, he's going to continue to get those reps, but he he looks already like he's a rotational player, which is great considering how raw he was coming in. And, you know, all the questions were on the offense and the shot, and that's looked great so far. So I've seen enough to know this guy's a rotational player, and I wish for him to have the minutes. Unfortunately, with the makeup of the roster, as it sits right now, I just don't see it. I think it's going to continue to be performances like last night, where it's when guys are out, Marjan Bochamp gets a little bit more of an opportunity. Yeah, so as you were just talking there and I was listening to you, I started jotting down the names that are in the rotation. Just to, just to, to outline 
how challenging this is going to be. And nothing is ever perfect. There's going to be guys that are out. So during the regular season, he's going to play. Um, but we're just talking night in, night out in the rotation. So I've got Drew, Chris, Giannis, Brooke, Pat, Bobby, Javon, Grayson. And I've got George Hill, who I, I think, I mean, I've been saying it all year, but I think he's playing well enough. If you had to cut out one guy from the guard rotation, it's probably George Hill. But that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys right there. If if Ingles is a player, that's ten. Wesley Matthews is is you know, he hasn't played a lot this season. They're clearly managing him through the year, but that's that's eleven. And Wes is a guy that you know, if Marjan continues to play well, I don't think it's I don't think it's a hundred percent out of the realms of possibility that Marjan could take some minutes there. But I do think that because of the size and strength of Wes, he is going to be valuable in certain matchups. Defensively, there is going to be trust there. But that's the 11th guy. And yeah. you're not playing 11 guys in the postseason anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. Again, that's assuming that everyone's healthy and it's a perfect world. But if he continues to play the way that he plays when he does get to get his opportunities, you never know. No, and, and look, if, if this becomes a redshirt season for him, uh, obviously it's disappointing you don't get a chance to to see him in meaningful minutes, but it's probably going to be beneficial for him in the long run and, and to continue to develop him. And again, Mamu is another guy continuing to develop him. The big thing he doesn't have is, is rim protection for the positions that he's going to have to play because he's not a three, uh, but I think he's developed nicely so far. I would go back to uh, when you went through who would be the odd man out. Um I still want to rule out George Hill playing over Javon Carter in the playoffs. And, and I know it was the conversation that everybody was butting their heads against the wall last season. George Hill's looked really good this year. He told us on media day, some of the reasons why he didn't look himself last season. George Hill has that trust in coach or coach Mike Budenholzer has trust in him. And even, you know, some of the recent games we've seen George Hill as one of the guys out there in crunch time, closing things out when the bucks have been shorthanded. So between those two, I'm not willing to say it's everybody's favorite backup point guard, Javon Carter, that's going to get the nod over George Hill. Well, we know through this season the easiest way to get the masses against us, Justin, is to talk about uh, any type of praise for George Hill. Uh, James says, uh, Kane, you've chosen an interesting hill to die on, which, by the way, uh, everyone knows that I enjoy a pun, so that's fantastic. Ethan says, boo, Justin, which I assume was to the hill over the Javon Carter stuff. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I think that Javon, I think Javon, basically, based on what we've seen, the starters minutes that he's got, the opportunity to start when guys have been out, I think he I think he is ahead of George Hill in, in the pecking order right now. But again, we have seen that Bud has chosen to rest some of these or ease some of these veterans through the regular season. George Hill's not going to play 82 games. Neither is Wesley Matthews. So it'll be fascinating. But like I said, overall, there is nothing more exciting than having a rookie in there. And you know, if you are looking big picture, the good thing for the Bucs is that Marjan, as I said, looks like a real NBA player. He looks like he's got real development and upside from a skill set perspective. And more than anything, it, it made sense that the Bucs drafted him because of the defensive chops we think he's got, plus the athleticism. He's just a modern day guy. For the NBA, and if you look at the Bucks moving forward, I'm not trying to retire anyone, but clearly George Hill and Wesley Matthews don't have much. Time. You know, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're past their prime, and and Joe Ingles is on the one year deal, so you don't know what he's going to look like um, beyond all. Or you know, I think he's playing in the NBA for a while, but um, 
the point being, there's going to be openings there. I, I think there's a future for Marjan, a real future in Milwaukee. Absolutely. And I was actually, uh, I was talking about this with somebody after the game last night. I'm curious what your take is. Um, what we've seen from Marjan so far, and granted, it's it's a small sample size that we've seen. Um, but going back a couple of years ago when, uh, when Dante DiVincenzo was a rookie, do you feel like you've been more impressed with what you've seen from Marjan this early than you were what you saw from Dante that early into his career, or is it vice versa? Or, or has it been the same for the two of them? Well, I'm an old man, and it's been a big few <laughs> years, and I can barely remember 2018-19, or was it 2019-20? No, I, I mean, Dante, the, the similar thing about them, and again, I think this is because there is a thirst for rookies in Milwaukee because there just hasn't been a lot of them. But I remember that Dante was able to legitimately change games with those deflections, the steals, the transition stuff. And I think there's a little bit about that of Marjan. So who has a bigger impact? I think that at the time, there was more of a need for a guy like Dante than there is right now for a guy like Marjan. So I think it was just easier for Dante to to get those night in, night out minutes, I think. Yeah, and that's uh, the thing I was going to point out. I mean, they're getting pretty close to games played rookie season because... Dante only played about 25 games and then he suffered that heel injury. But you know, we, we, everybody knows Dante DiVincenzo was the first player off the bench that year that he was a rookie, mm-hmm. but also you kind of pointed to it not to take anything away from Dante, but part of that was out of necessity. The Bucks backcourt wasn't very deep and that was part of drafting him there. You needed Dante DiVincenzo to be a contributor and that's, you want Marshawn too. And you, you, if he develops even quicker than any of us imagine, great, but the position that he's at, as, as we've just talked about today and for the last couple of months, that's where the Bucks are loaded. And also there was, uh, just as we're thinking of comparisons, it was interesting because remember back, it was like Dante was battling Sterling Brown for minutes. And now, you know, Marjan's kind of battling Jordan War, who, by the way, I didn't even mention Jordan War in the guys that are there in the rotation. Another guy just played a bit and clearly had some opportunities. So, uh, it's going to be very interesting. The one thing I did notice watching Dante DiVincenzo the other day, they mentioned on the broadcast, well, he's he's won a championship before with Villanova. I was like, hey, 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 hey. He's also an NBA champion. Don't forget about that. Yeah. So I know he wasn't out on the court, but he did play playoff minutes that season and was a big part or a starter all season long for the Bucks as well. So, you know, I know he was maligned in his time here. People were quick to turn on people, but I, I always like Dante. I hope uh, he does well. And he knocked down a few threes against the Bucs. Uh, we've had a lot of people in this stream today, Justin, and we could probably roll on for another half an hour, but I think I'm bound by the uh, the locked-on network laws that we need to wrap up this podcast. But like I said, Bucks and the Pelicans tomorrow. Joe Ingles returning. If you're an Australian like me, Dyson Daniels, a player to watch on the Pelicans, but Zion and Giannis, and there's just a lot of good stuff from this game. Hopefully, we're able to have a enjoyable podcast, unlike what happened after the Memphis game. Because I know Frank's fired up to podcast and we'll be back after post-game. You'll be on the radio. You still do post-game. I know you're doing pre-game. There's post-game show people can listen to. There is. Uh, that was really fun on Thursday. Almost as fun as, <laughs> as a locked-on Bucks post-game. Mate, I, I text Frank halfway through that game and I, I was like, are you willing to talk about this shit show? And I was just praying. I was just praying that Frank would podcast with me so I didn't have to go alone and discuss a 50-point beatdown at the hands of the Memphis Grizzlies. But we pushed through. Thanks to everyone for jumping in the stream for this podcast, and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, Whenever you get around to it, 
Bucks and Pelicans, as I said, 7 p.m. Central time, the start of, I believe, the longest road trip of the season for the Bucks. They're not home until a few days after Christmas. I believe they've got a game against Chicago and then they're home. So uh, long road stand. They're number one in the East for now. We'll see how that lasts over the course of this road trip, but hopefully the Bucks can keep winning. We'll be back after Bucks and Pelicans. We'll speak to you guys then.